Once more, it is the Reef Lords Pod Academy podcast. This is our 10th episode already, and uh, we had so much fun the last time. We were talking about home inspections and inspecting your new home and things like that. Uh, but there was so much to cover, so we decided maybe we would do a part two, and this is that part two. So uh, first and foremost, let me welcome from Reef Lords, Dora Liu. How are you, Dora? Well, thanks. This off, Dave. I am exceptionally well, thank you. And once more, it is our pleasure to be joined by Mr. Yaku van Royen. Yaku is, uh, well, he's got over 20 years of experience in building inspections and quality control in both public and private projects. Uh, today, we're going to talk about some of the more critical aspects of uh, home inspections. Welcome, Yaku. Thank you, David. Good to have you again. So part two, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's it's really cool because uh, we, we did, uh, Dora, you mentioned we received some really positive feedback. So I'm very happy for that. Yes, uh, there were a huge amount of engagements from our social media channel as well as uh, just, you know, from the word of mouth. So it has been great. And then we decided to do part two of it and hopefully we'll help um, our customers further. Fantastic. Well, then, we're going to jump straight into this because, uh, well, one of the things, and, and I know we touched on this the last time, Yaku, is um, we talked about mold and damp and pest infestation, drainage, all sorts of things like that. I mean, what else is there to inspect? Do you, do you have more for me? Uh, yes, David. Yeah, there, there are a number of additional uh, things to inspect, but uh, our important ones that we would like to look at, obviously, are leaks. As we know, that anything can happen underground or in your roof with regards to your water pipes, your your sewer pipes, and um, if, if you don't know what to look at, and you just carry on and think that it, if you see a damp patch somewhere, it might go away on its own, you might be letting yourself in for a costly repair session and in some instances on, on very old buildings, a possible rebuild of a wall or something where it is deteriorated to such an extent that it cannot be saved in the current condition. So what we need to look at around the outside of your building, if you notice constant damp patches in your soil, and even in some cases you'll find the grass seems to present with a dark green patch, uh, you know, out of out of color with the rest of your, your lawn, you might be looking at a leaking water pipe. Normally, that would be your main water feed coming in from uh, from the municipal side. Uh, then you need to investigate because a damp patch or a wet patch should disappear after a day or two of good sunshine. You need to look at your walls constantly, especially on your outside damp patches uh, manifesting in your walls. On the inside of your property, you need to look inside your cupboards, especially underneath your sink in your bathrooms, you know, in the basin cabinets. And even just check your tiles. If, you're, if you've got a tiled area around your bath, if you tap on them and they sound a little bit hollow or sound like they've, they're starting to deep on, you might be looking at something like, uh, like damp because it will have an effect on your, your tiles. It will have an effect on your paint. Your paint's going to bubble. It's going to present with, with a wet patch. You might see the, the white marks of the residual salts often it's dried out so have a look at that 
Okay, because oh. you know what? You, you actually just answered that question before I even got to it, because I was going to say to oh. you, you know, how do we, how do we identify uh, the, the damp patches if we're looking? Mold, I believe, is also um, a, a giveaway, is it not? Correct, yes. And um, it is correct in saying that mold and damp can coexist um, because mold obviously needs wetness and then damp musty areas. So uh, looking at that, you'll find these more uh, in your bathrooms where you've got constant steam, your mold will develop faster, but uh, you know, you can have a look at both these areas or, or, or both occurrences and they can occur at the same time. Yes, and of course, you know, you can't miss the smell if the sewer is leaking, I suppose. Definitely, yeah. definitely, yes. It's also, no. a, especially with a sewer leak, it's also a health issue, you know, for anybody, not just animals, small children, adults. It's a major health risk. Now, sometimes as well, though, there's a chance that, okay, you might think that your grass is, is looking really pretty in your yard because it's got that, as you mentioned, that deep green color. But... You know, some people go, oh, well, it, it's, a, it's a serial leak. It's, it's not really my problem. Up until that thing starts pumping out thousands of liters of water, could, would you notice that, Jack, you, on, on your, your sort of municipal water account, if you're used to paying X amount and suddenly they're charging you for thousands of liters more? Most definitely, yes. It, you, you'd notice it straight away. Like you say, if it's getting charged, if you, for argument's sake, you're used to paying 300 rand account and all of a sudden, You've got seven, eight, nine hundred vans with a water bill. You've got a problem somewhere. And if you don't know how to identify it yourself, there are many professionals out there that can come and have a look at your property and they, they'll be able to identify where it's originating from, what caused it, you know, and also assist you in getting it repaired. Okay, fair enough. Now, seeing as though we're talking about water and damp and things like that, what about your roof and roof leaks? Because I've had experience before when it has been absolutely, it's been a nightmare. You know, the, the, the property we were living in, we, we moved in in winter and everything was hunky-dory. Whole place had been freshly painted. We were as happy as can be. And then summer came. Talk to me a bit about that. Yes, your, a roof leak can cause havoc in your, in your home. Um, you know, and it can happen... There are various factors from a cracked roof tile, loose reach cappings, incorrect underlay or no underlay at all. Yeah, it, it'll cause havoc. And the problem is you won't see it immediately or like you've now stated, freshly painted inside. You won't see any marks on your ceilings or uh, watermarks on the walls where water might have run down the wall. And then your first rainy season, you're left with a nasty surprise. That can be costly because by the time in, in some instances when you see the mark on your ceiling, it might mean, depending on the, the material that was used for your ceiling, it, it might be too late, you might have to replace your ceiling. So that is where a decent inspection is definitely valuable, especially in your roof cavity to identify these kind of things. Also, okay. your geyser can play a part there as well. If it was installed incorrectly with no drip tray, you'll have a problem. I actually had that in a rental property. They uh, they didn't put a drip tray in there and uh, it started to leak. Let me tell you, I could not go into my bathroom for like two days while they had to short all of that out and what had happened. And I only noticed that um, when everything just came crashing down. So that wasn't too much fun. Yaku, one of the things I wanted to move onto, and um, I've seen this before, 
there was a, a building that I used to work at and they had this problem. So there was a, an outside sort of deck patio area, which was, was built over and there was a room below it. And we thought everything was okay until one day we noticed that the tiles under this concrete um, or the, the concrete under the tiles, let's get that right, concrete under the tiles was literally crumbling away. And that ended up costing a, an absolute fortune. A lot of homes are like that today. So, so what do we need to be aware of there? Correct, yes. Um, and what you've just explained often manifests in multi-story buildings because you have a very, very slight fall on, on the balcony or patio. So you need to look out for efflorescence all around, you know, on the inside, underneath, if you can see the, the underside of the actual balcony, have a look if efflorescence is actually forming there. Your grout is also important. Uh, grout forms not only as a filler, or not only acts as a filler, but also to an extent forms as a seal act as a seal between your tile and, and the underlying substrate. Then you've got to have a look at cracks and see if you can identify any cracks or damage to the substrate. Normally that would occur right in the corner where the actual tile surface or the balcony surface meets the superstructure. You, you, you might identify a crack there. Then, and this is an important one, the waterproofing membrane is often used incorrectly or not at all, and that could be a contributing factor. Uh, you got to look. I beg your pardon. Sorry, I said okay. I was just, I was just look, uh, thinking about about the fact of, of a waterproofing membrane and how some people can can take a bit of a shortcut there. Uh, you could just explain to me efflorescence. What is that? It sounds like a, a very big word. Is there a simple layman's term for efflorescence? Yes, it's it's a crystallization of residual salts also the same as in, in your damp in your walls but on on the external parts you'll normally find it on bare brick surfaces and on on non-painted surfaces it'll be, it'll be very clear you might have seen face bricks uh, present with a, a white powdery substance that is efflorescence ah okay cool now so we, we, we got up to, to um, failed or missing waterproofing membrane, which is a, a problem. What else do we need to be aware of there? Because there, there's many things when it comes to these slabs that are laid and you've got like a, a balcony or something on top of them. What else do we need to worry about? On the inside of your structure, you, you need to look out for water leaks. You might see water seepage, uh, especially in the room or in a room below the particular balcony. Have a look at that. Water stains, if it's manifesting either on the inside of the building, underside of the of the balcony, would would be an, in, uh, an indication of leaks. And then water pooling is a a common one. You'll see if water is not draining away from your balcony quick enough, or you know normally towards your your entrance door to your building, it'll pull. Uh, that'll have to, as, or that'll bring about in the long run your tiles will start popping or they'll sound hollow like, you know, when they've debonded, what they call tenting, they'll start pushing up against each other or buckled up, you know, and then you're sitting with a major cost there again to repair all of this. Yaku, in terms of, in terms of the tiles, could it be that they would move because of this, this damp problem? So the tiles move a little bit and suddenly the tiles themselves crack as well. Is that also a sign? 
Yes, it was buildings. Uh, you know, they are out in the. They're not covered or hidden away like we would put a car in a garage. So heat and cold. Would, would, there are different forces to different materials. They, they they shrink and expand at various rates. So you'll have movement, and that is why it's important also when you do tile a surface to have expansion joints to accommodate that kind of movement. Because eventually they'll work loose if you don't, if you haven't prepared your surface properly and you haven't installed your tiles properly with these expansion joints. Um, eventually your tiles will, will come loose, they'll pop, they'll crack, because there's no way, the forces in there, there's no way for them to go. And so they'll force themselves through the material and crack and break your tile. Right, and then I'm assuming as well. I mean, if we've if we've got a a, a roof structure, or a balcony structure, or whatever, underneath, can can we look there as well for for any signs of of damp or moisture? Yes, definitely. You, you once again you'll be looking for the presence of efflorescence or any other watermarks, or even cracks. Um, while it's busy raining, you might see water seeping through. Then you know you've got a problem already. You might not see what you see from underneath. You might not see an indication from above, but you need to inspect it closely. Yeah. Now, we, we, we briefly touched on, on, on geysers uh, earlier on, Yaku, and I, I explained one thing that, that had happened to me then. But, I mean, in the, in the rental property I was staying in, in the, the, the number of years I was staying there, it, it happened to me twice. Um, and, and the one time the guy said that uh, they hadn't got the, there was something wrong with the thermostat or something, and they, they said to me, well, do you check your geyser? And I was like, no, no, I had to check my geyser. Is that something we should do? Because it seems that, that geyser leaks, bursts or whatever are fairly common. You should check it, yes. Um, remember, your geyser has got an outer skin and an, and an inner skin. And you won't just, from the word get-go, see if there's a defect with the, you know, with the inside of your geyser. Until maybe one day you will see water coming through your ceiling or you decide to go and check it and you'll find rust marks on your outer skin of your geyser. That will in, that's an indication that, that there's a definite leak on the inside between your core and your outer skin of your geyser. So the water is pooling between the two layers and then eventually it finds a way normally at the face of the geyser where your thermostat is housed and where, where you change your, your, your um, element you'll find the rust marks there on the screws, and then you know you need to check this. And also, normally, geysers are, are installed within roof cavities. It's very hot, so the, the, the materials used, especially on the pipes, it's normally a copper pipe, half-inch and a three-quarter-inch pipe. They expand and shrink. A leak can develop eventually. Okay. Now, one of the things... Um that, that uh, I was told that will help with that kind of thing and also help with electricity is a geyser blanket. Is, is, is that true? Does, do, do geyser blankets offer a little bit of added protection? Uh, yes, uh, it does. It will just in, in the long, well, not in the long run, but if you do have a leak spouting from somewhere in your geyser, the, the blanket will arrest it to an extent. But it's not a cure as such because they are mostly designed or the, the original design was to, to to keep your geyser warmer for longer or hotter for longer rather than to arrest any leaks from it. So I wouldn't just rely on that. Yeah, okay. Very important is your geyser drip tray because from your drip tray you have an outflow pipe to the outside that, that normally protrudes from under the 
the eave of your roof, you know, for any overflow or leaks, unless your geyser completely bursts and overflows your trip thread, then it's a whole different scenario. Yeah. No, well, I've, I've had that experience. As I said, there was there was no drip tray. And then also with a drip tray in, um, you know, suddenly you're in the bathroom and you hear this constant dripping of water and walk outside and there it is pouring out from the, the overflow there. Is it is it worthwhile um, getting geyser insurance or is that part of your homeowner's policy? I'm not sure how that works. It is uh, worthwhile to make sure that you are covered under your under the, the structural insurance, the Giza form, forms part of that. Um, and of course, you, you need to have your own, your inter, what you call it, your property, your movable property insured. That's normally, if you're on a rental property, that is your, as, as the person renting, that's your responsibility. And the structure and the Giza would be the responsibility of the owner of the property. But it's definitely worthwhile making sure that your insurance covers it. Yeah, in fact, uh, in sectional title schemes, your geezers are usually insured by the body corporate. So it is worth a while to actually ask before you purchase your home that whether the body corporate covers the geezers. So for instance, now you've got, uh, let's say, exposed geezer being solar geezers. And um, in case of hailstorm, you know, the hailstorm in South Africa can get as big as a tennis ball, right? It can damage your, your solar panels as well. So it's always uh, safer to insure to, to your geysers and to make sure that the geysers are actually insured at the right value. Not yeah. underinsured because when once it's damaged, uh, the, the, the insurance company will only pay what you insured for. Mm, okay, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I hadn't even thought about the the solar geysers and the and the panels and stuff like that. So definitely well worth uh, checking out. Uh, obviously, if if it's a freehold title, then then you're responsible for all of that insurance. Another question that I'd like to put to you, Yaku, is and and I I came across this uh, when we were we we're selling my mom's place. Is uh, the guys came up to us and said, "Can we have a COC?" And I went, "You want a what?" And then it was explained to me, and I said, well, okay, fine, you know, and then when they were going through the house and, and doing what they needed to do, there were a couple of things which suddenly weren't up to spec, which we didn't know about. For example, uh, my dad years ago had put in little floodlights, uh, those, those motion-activated floodlights outside, and had just run three-core cable to a plug inside, uh, which was apparently a no-no. So can you talk to me a little bit about this? What is a COC? COC, Certificate, certificate of Compliance. Uh, definitely, yes, it is compulsory for one to be issued when a property uh, is sold. Uh, and like you've mentioned, because a lot of guys, they turn into electricians and uh, carpenters and plumbers and what have you, but without the proper training. And when it comes to electricity, it's a dangerous thing. You could burn down the property due to an electrical fire or somebody could lose their life or be seriously injured. So it, it, it is definitely a must, and the law actually requires that you obtain a COC. All right, and then I mean, if you if you if you're purchasing a property from a developer, for example, some somebody like like Reef Lords, would they would they give you that certificate of compliance? Yes, yes. In the case of Reef Lords, and, and it should be like that in, with any developer, their properties would come with a COC. 
Okay. Now, and, yeah. and if you, if you, sorry, just uh, before we move along, I'm just trying to get this clear in my mind. So, if I'm buying a property that's maybe a, a pre-loved property, is that one of the things that I should make sure it's stipulated in the in the offer to purchase? Yes. Okay. Sorry, Dora, I, I jumped in and interrupted you. Did you had something to add there? Oh, no, you're 100% right. It's absolutely compulsory to obtain COC if you're selling your pre-loved home, as you put it. So um, COCs are now usually valid for two years, and uh, you, you have to get it. Uh, that's uh, that's actually compulsory. And just to make sure that your wiring is absolutely safe and compliant within the home. So usually that's not really a huge concern because everyone in the industry actually knows about it. Your agent will know about it. Uh, the developers actually provide that uh, prior to transfer of the property. Well, look, it's uh, it's almost time for us to, to, to wrap up here. It seems like buying a home these days, uh, on the one hand, it's a good thing, I suppose, but it, it's a lot of work. Now, a lot of times, and I know I've been tempted to do this, you can ignore it, can't you, Dora? Well, I suppose you can ignore them, but they will bite you back and then they will actually dent your pocket in the future and then you don't want that, right? It's a lot of hassle to go through repair work while you're living in the property. So, yeah, the suggestion is here for you um, to actually relook or reinspect your um, your home or before you purchase it. Okie dokie. So uh, wrapping it up, Dora, if people want to catch up on, on part one, what do they need to oh, do? Yeah. See, we've got uh, a lot of valuable insights in part one as well, just in case that you missed uh, our our ninth episode, which is on part one of how to inspect your new home. Please feel free to download the ninth episode from our website or um, from our social media. And if you've got any questions relating to inspection your new home, please feel free to drop us an email on Catherine at reflords.co.za. It's spelled as C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E at reflords.co.za. Or simply just post on our Facebook page, Reflords Property Development. Wonderful stuff. And that wraps it up. Um, so, uh, Dora, thank you for taking the time out and having a chat to us. Yaku, thank you so much. Your, your experience and your advice is, is invaluable. We really do appreciate it. Once again, that email address, if you've got any questions, anything you'd like us to cover as well, uh, just drop an email to Catherine at reflords.co.za. Think home. Think Reflords. It wraps it up to each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Be well.